0: Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture and heritage, featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio.
1: Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on World Footprints Radio. It's a great day to travel and leave positive footprints. We're your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're going to take you places where no one else does. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you and welcome to our world of socially conscious and responsible travel. And I'd like to say a special hello to those of you listening to us through our newest distributor, Travel Radio, in South Africa. Ian?
2: Thanks, dear. Today's show will showcase some of our travel friends who are doing great things in the travel space. Tanya had an opportunity to sit down with a couple of our friends during their recent visit to Washington, D.C. You'll hear some great travel advice from CBS travel editor Peter Greenberg and Kelly Schultz from the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau as she updates us on what's happening in New Orleans in 2011. Then we'll introduce you to Dr. Kelly Brooker from the International Eco-Tourism Society, and we'll have a conversation about the power of responsible travel and tourism in transforming communities. We'll also talk about the upcoming ecotourism, and sustainable travel conference that World Footprints is proud to join as a sponsor. Finally, you'll meet our good friend and internationally acclaimed musician and composer, Lucas Lachowski. Lucas is a Polish-born violinist who has also composed scores for several film and theatrical productions. We'll chat with him while enjoying his music throughout the show. As always, if you have a question or a comment, write to us at comments at worldfootprints.com.
1: Want to be a part of the show? We've started a new feature called Ask Our Guest, where you can participate in our show by asking one of our future guests a question. Make sure you check our website, Facebook, or Twitter pages for updates. If you've missed any of our past award-winning shows, you can enjoy them from our worldfootprints.com website, where they are archived in perpetuity. And if you want to take us on the go, sign up for our free mobile platform on stitcher.com. If you're looking for last-minute travel deals, news, and information, you can find everything from our website, worldfootprints.com. You can even offset your carbon footprint from our new feature, which we've included on our travel portal. For now, sit back and enjoy meeting our travel friends today. Happy to welcome back an old friend, Peter Greenberg, CBS Travel Editor, and uh, we are at the Travel and Adventure Show in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, Peter.
0: Thanks a lot. Always happy to be back in D.C.
1: <laughs> now, what brings you here to the Travel and Adventure Show? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you ask, you call it the
0: Travel and Adventure Show. It's not travel or adventure show, because travel is an adventure, and what we're seeing is a redefinition of the word adventure. Not a redefinition of the word travel, but a redefinition of the word uh, adventure. And uh, most people used to think adventure meant you were climbing the Himalayas. Uh, now, I, I, I actually define adventure as just trying to get through security at the airport. So, so uh, it's a whole different definition. And, and what we're going to talk about today is how people can actually get through that adventure so they can get to the experience they wanted to have in the first place.
1: Gotcha. Now, um, do you have before we get to uh, my other question? Do you have a one great tip for our listening audience? What's a one thing they should do to get through security without any uh, any any drama?
0: Uh, arrive at the airport naked. Uh, uh, the, the line won't The line won't be pretty, but it'll move very quickly.
1: <laughs> That's scary. Shame on you. <laughs> uh, you.
0: You set me up. I had to go for it.
1: Well, on a serious note, um, we, just, uh, we just joined with uh, United Nations Global Initiative to Fight Human Trafficking. That's one of our, our causes. And I know you were just in Luxor talking about the same issue. What are some of the things that came out of that conference?
0: A, a growing awareness of how big the issue is. It's probably the fastest growing crime in the world. Most people don't understand how big it is, how much money is involved. It's not just uh, prostitution, it's labor. It's human labor around the world. It's really the, the, the 2011 version of slavery, quite frankly. Um, and it's, uh, it touches everything we do, whether we realize it or not. And before you go out and buy an article of clothing, a piece of jewelry, before you eat a, a meal, before you travel somewhere, you need to ask the people who are providing those services or goods, where did it come from? Who picked the fruit? Who made the shirt? Who, uh, who got the diamond? Um, how old are they? What are their rights? Uh, and if we don't raise that awareness level, then we become part of the problem. Right. And we are right now part of the problem.
1: Right. Well, and, and I know um, something that you touched on that we've been following is the code, the code of contact. And I know Delta recently signed. Um, ITB Berlin just signed. And there's only one other hotel that's signed.
0: Yes, Carlson was the first hotel that signed the code. It's, it's, it's uh, ECPAT, which is the End Child Prostitution and Trafficking. Uh, It's a very simple but direct code which says you will not deal with any vendors. This is really for hotels and airlines that you will not deal with any vendor that is involved in trafficking of any kind. Um, And why shouldn't you sign that code? What is your problem? I'll tell you what the big problem is in hotels, and they don't want to talk about it. It's their dirty little secret. And that is, where do hotels make money other than the rental of the room and food and beverage and room service, right? Pornography in the rooms. And so much of the pornography in the rooms can be tied to trafficking. Uh, and they don't, want to, they don't want to lose that revenue stream. Well, guess what? Lose it, guys. And we vote with our wallets and say we will not stay at a hotel that basically employs or deals with or buys from traffickers, then we're not doing anything.
1: And for the traveling community, you know, awareness is key. It, uh, a good example is what happened just a few months ago um, on the flight from, I think, Philly or D.C. That to was the
0: story that I talked about. There was a U.S. air flight going from Philadelphia to, I believe, West Palm Beach and uh, a regular woman passenger was online to check in and in front of her was a guy with a nine-year-old kid. And she noticed that the kid was uh, sort of listless and not really aware of his surroundings and, and was acting sort of confused. And when, and when the gate agent or the counter agent was trying to check them in, the man didn't even know the kid's name. And then when he said, here are your tickets to West Palm Beach, the kid suddenly said, well, I thought we were going to North Carolina. This alerted the woman, she, she told the gate agent, you got a problem here, this guy is bad news. We need to find out what's going on if there's trafficking here. The, the counteragent didn't do anything. And they got on the flight, and she monitored the flight and saw that the same kind of behavior was continuing. The kid didn't even wasn't even in possession of his own documents, which is a first indication right there that there's slavery going on. She told the, the flight crew. The flight crew went to the captain, who has kids. The captain was, was uh, alarmed enough to alert authorities. And when that plane landed in Palm Beach, guess what? Police were there. It was exactly what she thought it was, and that guy was arrested.
1: Unbelievable, and because this woman was aware, she saved a life.
0: She sure did, and probably countless others. You need to—you need to whatever, look. anytime you travel, no matter whether, whether you're going on the train, a plane, a, a rental car, in a hotel, look at it like a railroad crossing. You know, stop looking, listen, be aware. Um, first of all, you'll become a better traveler, but also be aware of other people there, and 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 especially when it comes to kids. They're the most. You know, they they don't have any rights, and and, and they're not being protected. And that's what this is all about. That's why I'm involved in it. That's why I spoke at the U.N. conference in Luxor. Um, And that's why Marilyn Carlson Nelson should be applauded at Carlson, because she was the first hotel group that said, we're going to take a stand. We're doing this. And it was amazing to me, and I'm sure it was amazing to her, although I don't want to speak for her, how few hotels followed suit. Now, Accor, the French hotel company, they signed it. Uh, it's nice that Delta did it; they should be applauded. But where are all the other hotels? You know, and, they, and they, they keep talking about oh liability issues. You want to talk about a liability issue? Yeah, get me angry at you. You know, <laughs> when it when, by not signing it. There's a liability right there because I will tell people not to stay there.
1: Well, we—I have your back as an attorney. Uh, you know, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll watch you, uh, Peter. It's always a pleasure, and you know, it's hard to keep up with you. You're on the go. I know you're leaving right after this conference. Um, where, where are you broadcasting from next?
0: Well, we broadcast yesterday from Southern California. The next show will be coming from Ireland in honor of St. Patrick's Day, and then we're going to be uh, in Amsterdam, and then we're going to be in, um, down on the Gulf Shores in Alabama because it's the anniversary of the BP spill, and we we'll want to see what's going on since then and what hasn't been going on since then. Uh, we do my radio show live from a different remote location somewhere in the world every week.
1: I know. I think, I think you need a partner radio to travel with you. Always a pleasure, my dear. You got it any time.
2: After the break, Dr. Kelly Berker talks about the important role responsible travel plays in transforming a community.
1: It was responsible
3: travel to natural areas that conserves the environment and improves the well-being of local
4: people. So that, that's the definition.
2: Next on World Footprints Radio.
4: Hi, I'm Nancy from Lansing, Michigan. I'm here in New Orleans. And I enjoy listening to the World Footprints radio.
2: For the latest and last minute travel deals, visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive non published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners. You can't find these deals anywhere else, and we've seen sales for $9 per night for hotels and $49 airline tickets. So stop by worldfootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the travel marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services.
1: I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick
2: and I'm Ian Fitzpatrick.
1: A few years ago we decided to leave our respective legal practices to live a more purposeful travel life and help others leave positive footprints.
2: World Footprints was born and was quickly recognized for its award-winning journalism we've covered events from the olympics to a titanic expedition and we've discussed conservation environmental and public diplomacy initiatives
1: join us for award-winning radio and visit our website worldfootprints.com for daily travel deals and comprehensive travel information join award-winning world footprints radio a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring entertaining and educational shows Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, and director Ken Burns, along with other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy initiatives. Travel with us to unique places around the world and join us on our efforts to raise awareness about environmental, conservation, and human rights issues, and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Also, visit our interactive and informative website at worldfootprints.com.
4: Hello, my name is Minnie Johnson. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I really enjoy listening to the World Footprints radio show whenever I have an opportunity to do so. I've gained so much uh, information from the show. This is my second time in New Orleans for the French Quarter Festival, and I came last year for the first time, and I enjoyed it so much I decided to come back.
2: And now, more of World
0: Footprints Radio with your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
1: Welcome back. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. Dr. Kelly Bricker is an associate professor at the University of Utah in Parks, Recreation and Tourism. She also chairs the board of the International Ecotourism Society and the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, two organizations that share our commitment in promoting responsible travel and conservation. World Footprints is a proud partner of this year's Ecotourism and Sustainable Tourism Conference and we're very pleased to welcome Kelly Bricker to our show to discuss the upcoming conference and the world of ecotourism. Kelly, welcome to our show.
3: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, you know, let's start off with a little bit of history for the International Ecotourism Society, also known as TIES, just to give those in our listening audience an understanding about the association. I know it was established in 1990 by Megan Epler Wood in Florida, and Early on, the uncontrolled tourism in the Galapagos was, seemed to be a feature, a focus of, uh, for TIEs. Was that really the genesis for the organization?
3: Um, I think there was a lot of things going on at that time. And certainly uh, leading up to 1990, they, they established the organization um, through a meeting in Florida, but it actually the first home of TIEs was up in Vermont, in Burlington, Vermont, where Megan actually lived. And at that time, uh what we were starting to see, I mean there was a lot of press about the disappearing rainforest and um and really uh degradation of our natural environment. So conservation organizations were really looking for an alternative to degradative uh economic means. And and ecotourism was one of those things that, hey, if, if tourists would actually pay to come see a natural environment intact, uh, maybe we have a strategy that can help uh, sort of thwart this massive degradation that's going on. And it it kind of focused around South America at the time, um, but there were certainly other issues all over the world. So Mm -hmm. it was was kind of an aligning of the planets. It was a time and place when Conservation organizations were looking for a a secure economic alternative for communities in and around these natural areas. Um, Botanists, biologists were looking for an answer to really creating um, another mechanism for conservation, another conservation tool. And and local communities were in need of uh, economic development. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it was more of... The Galapagos was highlighted because it, it's a, uh, it became a national park. It's, a, it's an iconic location where certainly a lot of species, <laughs> um, the whole origin of species came from. Sure. And, and so there was a lot of, of attention down there.
1: We can see where you started and, and where you are right now. Talk about how your mission, your focus has, has really changed and expanded over the years
3: yeah I think you know back when when ties got going, um and under the leadership of megan and and many others that formed the first board, um there wasn't anything out there that was really advocating sort of the primary principles of that ecotourism was really founded on, and that that being minimizing your impact when you travel to places. You know, building um, awareness of these places through interpretation and other mechanisms so that people understand and, and respect these places, um, providing very positive experiences for those that, that visit and those that host the people that visit or those that run the businesses themselves, mm-hmm. and then finding a way to really secure financial benefits for conservation. Um, and, and really that... Led to empowering local people and and raising sensitivities about issues that may be developing in in countries all over the world. So those primary principles are still the heart and soul of ties, and that we have not varied from that. Do we have an expanded mission? I'm not sure. I think the mission still adheres to those principles, but we are looking for ways to um, have other businesses develop those principles within their own local communities, and and we're really focused on North America. We're really, because we have been a little bit behind, even though we have some of the first national parks, actually using the term ecotourism and and adopting the the sort of... uh, three-legged stool, if you will, or the par- or four-legged stool with planning involved in there has been, we've kind of lagged behind in that regard. Mm-hmm. So, so I think we're just, we're using those principles maybe even uh, further afield than, than simply, and not simply, but, but primarily ecotourism or nature-based tourism. Uh, we feel that these principles can actually benefit um, all tourism, uh, wherever it may be, and even in, in a city um, that we have natural environments within cities, and we're we're only healthier as people if our environments are healthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's where we are. But I, I would say our mission—we're still true to form. We, our, our definition is probably uh, used most widely around the world, and uh, the principles are really the core of that definition.
1: When people talk about ecotourism, um, there are several definitions of for ecotourism and sustainable travel, then those those two things haven't necessarily been clearly defined yet. Um, how does ties, when you talk about ecotourism, what do you mean by that?
3: Um, and I just have to go back to, while we have a very short definition, which was very... I think genius of the people that that developed that definition with that first board back in Megan's heyday, it was responsible travel to natural areas that conserves the environment and improves the well-being of local people. So mm-hmm. that, that's the definition, but really what forms the core of that definition are those principles that I mentioned earlier, sure. You know, figuring out ways to minimizing impact, really empowering the people that are living in and near those natural areas. and and figuring out ways to finance finance the conservation of those natural areas. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, um, while definitions may vary, that's okay, but really what we have to, instead of focusing on, well, we don't really know what it is, we do know what it is. We know that those principles uh, really form the basis of, what ecotourism is about what sustainable tourism is about it just so happens that ecotourism is focused on nature-based travel uh... sustainable tourism is focused on all travel so all travel all places need to really think about how they're protecting their resources uh... respecting their local communities and empowering their local people because in the end People aren't going to go to one place. They're not going to go to places that have been degraded to the point that nobody wants to be there. Indeed. And um, it's, it's really protecting the natural capital and cultural capital that. That formed the interest in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. The, the the thank you for uh, so much. I mean, I, that's why I love you guys <laughs> because we, <laughs> we we mesh we mesh in, in our missions, and you know, and we talk about tourism and Im- implementing positive changes and uh, society and and um, you know exercising. I mean, we include we being world footprints includes things like you know fair trade principles. You know, honoring those absolutely. Um, you know that those those actions have positive impacts on the communities that uh where where people are visiting uh, at the time absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's really being it's all about being a good citizen yeah you know? and and recognizing
3: the uniqueness of the various places that we have around the world and um instead of saying, "What do I have to see before they disappear?" we should say, "What do I have to do to help protect and promote these places right you know it's just not that that whole mindset is is really anti to what we're about we're we're saying is let's value what they are and mm-hmm. let's use the t- the strength and the power of the tourism dollar to help communities become healthier to help people become healthier and and obviously in the in the long term the environment can live just fine without us but we can't live without a healthy environment
1: indeed. so indeed and i think part of that process too is is educating the the local communities. And back in uh, 2008, and and I know you're continuing to uh, work with indigenous communities, but back in 2008, you hosted an indigenous business leaders in ecotourism forum. Tell us a little bit about that and the purpose of that particular conference.
3: Well, it was it was actually co-hosted by the Swedish Ecotourism Society um, in their building, in their embassy building uh, in Washington, D.C. And as such, we invited one of the first uh, Sami-owned, which is an indigenous tribe in Sweden, um, first Sami-owned operated business um, to become Nature's Best Certified, which is their uh, certification program for ecotourism. And that was... Uh, Pathfinder Lapland was the name of that company and and we featured we featured presentations by people that are actually researching indigenous ecotourism. We had Sylvie Blangy from um, she 's from France originally, but she was working up in Canada with uh, several indigenous tribes up in canada and and just communities all over the world mm-hmm. and and really prior to that we we hosted a uh, Sort of a DC area eco tour, which was kind of here's what here's what's in this place, and we used sort of the National Museum of the American Indian to talk about sort of the history of American Indians here in the United States, and um, and really, you know, I think the the whole purpose was to bring heightened awareness to the efforts of indigenous communities and and how to value them, and and they are a key. Uh, player in the tourism product and they have so much to offer and they're so interesting and we need to figure out a way to to help help promote them and enhance their efforts um, and bring them into this dialogue. Mm -hmm. They've been such a part of, you know, the human environmental connection for years that it was time to bring them front and center into that dialogue as well. And so that really was, was the purpose, and we continue to do this. Um, we're working with an, an advisory board member. Her name is Annie uh, Vanderwink, mm-hmm. and she is from the Ngarrindjeri Dinjiri Nation in South Australia, and she does tons of work with uh, different initiatives really at the grassroots, Sort of capacity building uh, area and with indigenous communities, um, she looks for partnerships for funding projects and and creating stakeholder involvement initiatives and that kind of thing. And so it's really about developing micro businesses that that enhance and celebrate the cultures um, as well as providing them the same opportunities that others might have but they may be in more remote locations and not have the marketing connections and that kind of thing. Sure. So, um yeah, but it's it's in it, it's a wonderful area to be working with the people in those areas. We had uh awards um the Center for Biodiversity Conservation and um Planeta last year gave uh indigenous community awards um at our conference and mm. we continue to support that and it was just I mean that part of the Conference was very endearing, and and people really uh, benefited a lot from that.
1: You know, it's it's. I was sitting here thinking when I was listening to you. My, you know, my next question to you is is you know whether there's been an experience or a milestone or something that you've personally witnessed that was transformative for you. And and um, I was sitting here thinking, you know, listening to you and thinking, okay, I know. I'm on the right path, because this is so important, and I'm getting, I don't know, just a wonderful, gratifying feeling, knowing that I have an opportunity to introduce uh, people like yourself um, to to our wonderful worldwide audience, because what you're doing is incredibly important, and, and so I, I thank you for that. Um, but back to your experiences, is there, you know, all the people that you've met, all of the projects that you've... Um, you've been involved with is there one that stands out in your mind as just a very memorable good feel moment
3: (laughs) you know there there's uh, just thinking about that as you're talking i'm going wow there are so many experiences that that we see i can give you a little bit of a brief i worked in the travel industry for uh... ten years prior to coming back to school to get my phd but and one of the reasons i came back to get a phd in what i was calling at the time ecotourism degree but nobody else was recognizing that um, was really about seeing both very positive Uh, aspects of tourism occurring in in communities and also the opposite side of the spectrum um, where tourism has gone in and absolutely ruined uh, an area or a community. And and I've been very fortunate to be involved in our own project in – in Fiji, which is working up in the highlands, the rural highlands of the country, on the main island of Viti Levu, and working with those communities that have not had access to other forms of economic development outside of logging or mining, um, and going up and and actually seeing the tourism dollar uh, create benefits to uh, their local community directly, and that's creating schools, um, health clinics water systems, you know, to just see it in action on the ground is overwhelmingly uh, wonderful and satisfying and and reinforces that tourism done well mm-hmm. um, can be a an extreme uh, force for positive change. Absolutely. And we, we are one of the largest industries in the world, and we have to use that to the benefit of, of people like on the village of Nakavika up in the Fijian Highlands. Mm -hmm. And those are the moments that you go, wow, you know, I'm going to continue to work very hard in this area because I believe in it maybe rather idealistically. But I have to believe that, that we can use tourism in a, in a very positive way for positive change.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And that brings me, uh, in the last couple of minutes that we have, uh, to the upcoming conference that we've been able to partner with you guys on to, to help promote. Uh, tell us about the conference and where people can uh, find out more information about it. Absolutely.
3: Well, and we're, we're thrilled to have you as a partner. This is the kind of, I mean, I think we all speak the same language, and it's just having that support and, um, and working with you on this is going to be wonderful. Um, we are having our conference down on Hilton Head Island, and that is in September 19th through the 21st. And when we first approached the board with Hilton Head Island, they said, what, are we turning into a golf conference now? You know, <laughs> And I've got to tell you, um, I just was down there a couple of weeks ago. I attended the South Carolina Governor's Conference. South Carolina is doing so much in the realm of sustainability, and Hilton Head Island, their, their uh, key sort of attraction is their natural environment, mm-hmm. and it is a, a wonderful partnership. They're thrilled to have us down there. They're doing so much Um, in the way of environmental education and working with even the golf courses are getting certified by the Audubon Society, creating new habitats for wildlife and and doing some amazing things. So I think it's going to be not only an education for people in South Carolina and the southeastern region of the United States and beyond, but I think it's going to be an education for all of us to show us what mainstream tourism is actually doing to help protect, their natural assets because they know that that's critical to their successes down there. Sure. Um, and so we're, we're thrilled. We're, we're going to focus on tools and uh, information on mainstreaming sustainability. Uh, we feel like we've got the experts coming to the board, uh, coming from the board and then from the industry as a whole. And it's really geared toward not only um, people that have their own businesses, but destination management organizations, Mm -hmm. um, people in the travel marketing sector that want to learn more about what this thing called sustainability is all about. And we we even have pre- and post-conference sessions, which are really going to talk about, you know, issues, coastal issues. Um, We're going to have a Sustainability 101 workshop um, to really, for those that are just getting involved and just starting to understand it, getting involved in that. We're going to have the Global Sustainable Tourism Council there uh, outlining their new initiatives for market access and market reach in sustainability, as well as the accreditation program for certification programs in the United States and elsewhere. So I think it's going to be, you know, every year I say, "Well, oh, we can't possibly top that one. Portland was fantastic. <laughs> um, the enthusiasm behind South Carolina is just going to be over the top. So... Oh. Uh, we're extremely excited about the whole thing.
1: Well, I, we will have a, a link to the conference as well uh, as a link to uh, TIES on our Great. website on this show page, this particular show page, um, for any of our listeners who are interested in learning more about TIES because public support of, of this organization, of your organization, is very important. Um, but uh, but also, you know, love to encourage uh, members of our listening audience to seriously consider the conference in September and, you know, you can't say no to Hilton Head anyway, <laughs> so... No, it's wonderful down there. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, well, uh, Kelly, you, you have uh, an always an open invitation to come back on uh, World Footprints Radio with uh, any time you want uh, because, well, thank again, you. we support you and uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today. But, uh, thank you, Tanya. Dr. Kelly Bricker with the International Ecotourism Society. It's been
4: my pleasure.
2: Up next, our good friend Kelly Schultz from the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau talks about the big, easy's historical events this year.
4: This year, the New Orleans Museum of Art is celebrating 100 years. They have a, a year-round calendar of wonderful events and special commemorations. And the Hotel Motzleon, one of your favorite places, Tanya, in the Carousel Bar, um, is celebrating its 125th year.
2: Next on World Footprints
4: Radio. Hi, this is Paul Harris from Oaks uh, in England. We're once again here in New Orleans, I think it's my 35th or 40th 40th time, (laughs) and it's always a pleasure to come back. We always bring our our musicians with us, and it's a great pleasure to uh, meet uh, our friends from World Footprints, and uh, wish you all the success with your show, and uh, looking forward to seeing you again sometime.
2: World Footprints Radio is an award-winning broadcast and leader in socially conscious travel. Hosts Tonya and Ian Fitzpatrick bring you entertaining and informative interviews with well-known celebrities, newsmakers, authors and industry professionals. From environmental leaders like Bobby Kennedy Jr. and David Rockefeller Jr. to conservationists like actress Stephanie Powers and director Ken Burns. Tune in to hear travel journalism at its best. Visit unique places from around the world and stop by the worldfootprints.com website for comprehensive travel information including special daily travel deals.
1: Want to travel for less? Visit the worldfootprints.com travel portal to find exclusive non-published sales on travel. Our dynamic travel deals page updates daily with the latest sales from our partners and you can't find these deals anywhere else. We've seen sales for as little as $9 a night for hotel rooms and $49 airline tickets. So stop by WorldFootprints.com to see where you can go for less. Also, make sure you visit the travel marketplace for sales on travel essentials and services like passport processing. I'm Lord Richard, and I'm from Northern Ireland, and I have a record company which produces New Orleans records, jazz records from the 1960s and early 70s. Uh, from New Orleans and uh, I just love World Footprints and now
0: more of World Footprints radio with your hosts Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick
1: welcome back I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick well as you our audiences from around the world know New Orleans is one of Ian and uh, my favorite places in the world and uh, I'm happy to welcome back to the show Uh, our very good friend, Kelly Schultz, Communications Director with the New Orleans uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau. And I want to ask you, Kelly, you know, New Orleans has gone through so many transitions. You just celebrated the fifth celebrated. You just um, marked the fifth anniversary of uh, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, You overcame the BP oil spill last year, but this is a city that continually reinvents itself and um, and, and and continues to grow despite the uh, the adversity. Tell us what uh, where is New Orleans now and what can we expect in this uh, coming year, 2011?
4: Well, hey, Tanya. Um, New Orleans is in a great place as we begin 2011. We actually ended 2010 as the number one fastest growing destination in the country for RevPar, which is a measure of hotel industry success that some of your listeners may be familiar with. You know, everything you mentioned you know, commemorating the five-year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, which, of course, was very emotional for us as a city and as residents, but it was also a very optimistic time, and it was a time of celebration of our resilience and how far our citizens and our city has come and how we are such a better stronger city today than we were five years ago or even six years ago um, all of the challenges with the BP oil spill a tough economy for us to end 2010 as one of the number one de- the number one destination in the country is really spectacular and we're continuing that momentum into 2011 it's carnival time right now Yay. great time <laughs> to be in New Orleans in fact this weekend most of the big Mardi Gras parades are kicking off Everything culminates on Tuesday, March 8th, which is Mardi Gras Day, and that's actually late this year. Mardi Gras falls late in the calendar year, which actually is a good thing for us because it coincides with spring break. So many of the hotels are already sold out. There's great demand. There's going to be beautiful springtime weather, so it's just a really good time, if you can still find a place, um, to come on down for carnival time. Oh my gosh. Spring break in Mardi Gras kind of scares me a little
1: bit. (laughs) <laughs> but I know our signature event, French Quarter Festival, is is coming up, and there's a lot of uh, new things happening there. But uh, New Orleans is also, there's several uh, institutions that are celebrating their 100th and 125th Anniversary. Tell us about those.
4: That's right. Well, this year, the New Orleans Museum of Art is celebrating 100 years. They have a, a year-round calendar of wonderful events and special commemorations. And the Hotel Motzleon, one of your favorite places, Tanya, and the Carousel Bar um, is celebrating its 125th year. And um, also later in the year, we have the Hyatt Hotel that's reopening. That was actually the last hotel to reopen in the city since Katrina. It could have reopened a long time ago as the hotel that it was before, and it's not. It is going to open as a completely repositioned, completely gorgeous, brand new property in the heart of the downtown area and really a a popular hot area right next to the Superdome and all the developments that have gone on around there with residential and retail and sports complexes. So reopening of the Hyatt this fall is also going to be a huge milestone for us. And, uh, and, and then, you know, I, I know there's a, uh, still a lot of
1: rebuilding projects going on, Kelly. And, and in fact, um, one that I know is of particular uh, interest to you is the St. Bernard's project. And we're certainly going to, uh, to uh, invite the founders um, on our show. But I wanted to uh, ask you to give our audience just a little bit of insight into what the St. Bernard's project is.
4: Um, St. Bernard project is named for St. Bernard Parish, which in Louisiana we don't have counties. We have parishes and St. Bernard is near and dear to my heart because that's actually where I was born and raised and it was one of the neighborhoods that was very much devastated uh, by Katrina. My family, my childhood home there was destroyed and my parents have since rebuilt and and gone back there but the St. Bernard project is founded by two wonderful extraordinary human beings uh, Liz McCartney and Zach Rosenberg who are actually uh, from the DC area and they went to New Orleans after Katrina and were so inspired by what they saw there that They actually moved to New Orleans and live in New Orleans and started this organization called St. Bernard Project. Since 2005, they have rebuilt almost 350, maybe a little more, homes for families in St. Bernard. You know, it's five years after Katrina, but there are still some families who, you know, have not come home yet for whatever reason. And so this organization has rebuilt houses. They've helped families get home. They opened a mental health counseling facility after the BP oil spill for those people who were fishermen and so hard hit by the BP oil spill. It's just a wonderful organization, and some people may know Liz McCartney is actually the first-ever CNN Hero of the Year. Mm -hmm. She received that honor, and it's absolutely deserved, and she's taken that platform and been able to do even more for her charity and for the people of st bernard we uh, my family in st bernard they all know liz and call her the angel because she's just a wonderful wonderful person as well as zach and all of their team there most of us recovering attorneys are angels <laughs> yes
1: you know uh, you, uh, it, it just dawns on me kelly i mean we, we're coming down for french quarter festival and then after that you have the essence jazz festival and and everything else in between is there A weekend throughout the year that there's nothing going on in New Orleans? No.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No. That doesn't ever happen. Uh, You know, Tanya, we joke, you guys love to come to French Quarter Fest, which is always in April. This year, French Quarter Festival is actually adding an extra day, so it's going to begin on Thursday as opposed to beginning on Friday. So you guys will get to spend some more time with us, but... um, You know, last year, French Quarter Fest broke all of its record attendance. It had over 512,000 people last year enjoy this beautiful outdoor three-day festival. And so this year, they're adding another day, which we hope the numbers will be even higher this year. But, you know, we joke that what some cities call their annual festival calendar... We call April (laughs) because there's always something. You know, there's always a reason to celebrate life in New Orleans, whether it's our food or our music or our wonderful personalities and chefs and musicians and crazy characters that make New Orleans their home. Um, It's it's just a fantastic place. And, and no, there's really not ever a weekend (laughs) where you can say, gosh, what am I going to do this weekend? (laughs) Well, I know
1: we're looking forward to coming down, you know, if not just annually at april at other times during the year and certainly um always wanting to invite our audience members to to travel down with us and if we're not there go anyways and we'll follow you
4: (laughs) We, we love you guys you and ian and your show always has an open door and as well as all of your listeners we we love to have you
1: bless well kelly schultz thank you so much my dear
2: after the break, the jazz stylings of Lukas
1: Lahofsky.
2: Back in the days, we, we really had a great, great, great music.
5: People like that great jazz, jazz sound. We had our own sound. It, it was really, really great. People like, you know, Christoph Komeda uh, and many others, like Vivian Zaita, the violin player. They really created the, 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 the Polish sound.
2: And next on World Footprints Radio.
1: Hi, I'm Patricia Elsey from Mother's Restaurant, and I'm sitting here with the famous World Footprints Radio people, Tanya and Ian. <laughs> and they love all the cooking. She got the shrimp creole. He got a breakfast special with scrambled eggs with cheese. And Ian got the scrambled breakfast with sausage and ice cream. And they're really enjoying the food. And I love them. And I hope they come back again.
2: Join award-winning World Footprints Radio, a leader in socially conscious travel for inspiring, entertaining, and educational shows. Meet well-known guests like Bobby Kennedy Jr., actress Stephanie Powers, director Ken Burns, David Rockefeller Jr., and other celebrities, newsmakers, and industry professionals who celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage, and support public diplomacy. Travel with us to unique places around the world. Join us in our efforts to raise awareness about environmental conservation and human rights issues and learn what you can do to leave positive footprints one step at a time. Visit our interactive and informative website, worldfootprints.com.
1: Hi, I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick.
2: And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're the host of World Footprints Radio.
1: World Footprints Radio and Travel Radio have joined forces to bring you our award-winning brand of socially conscious travel radio.
2: On World Footprints Radio, you'll meet celebrities committed to travel philanthropy and the protection of our planet.
1: And we'll introduce you to the people and places who will give you a taste of culture and heritage from their point of view.
2: Travel the planet with every episode of World Footprints Radio right here on Travel Radio.
1: And when you travel, remember to leave positive footprints one step at a time.
4: Hi, I'm Callie Schultz from the great city of New Orleans, and you're listening to World Footprints Radio. We can't wait to see you in New Orleans very soon.
0: You're listening to World Footprints Radio, awarded as the best travel audio podcast by the North American Travel Journalists Association. Here's Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick.
2: Welcome back. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. Composer, guitarist, and violinist Lucas Lahovsky is also an artist who explores musical styles and experiments with electronic sounds and images. Born in Poland, Lucas began his professional music training at age 7 in classical violin, and he soon went on to perform at some of the great symphony halls of Europe. His exploration of music and development of his craft led him to jazz, and he soon became active on the European jazz scene. As a composer, Lucas has scored film and theatrical productions in Poland, and he's currently collaborating on projects while in the U.S. Lucas, welcome. Oh, hey, hello, how are you? You've had a very diverse and accomplished musical career. You started training as a classical violinist, but you developed an interest in jazz early on in your life. Talk to us about that I
5: started playing violin when I was seven, and you know by the time i also st- started to play guitar uh, and uh, piano too of course like every musician I guess uh, should play piano or play probably so and other than, than playing music you know right so so I am doing all those all thi- all things all things I try to do all those things
2: together anyway. so what were those early influences on you? Did it come from family? Did it come from friends from school? How did that all start for you
5: actually uh, my brother he's a piano player mm, so so i uh, I wanted to be a musician too you know so so I just started to 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 you know to 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 play music and actually my parents didn't want me to 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 put me into the music school because they they thought that one 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 person in family is just enough, but I really wanted to do it so so i you know i convinced them convinced them to to put me there and then i I am here you know
1: <laughs> well and, and 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 we're so glad you're here Lucas i mean we've seen many of your performances and you're very improvisational um you certainly have a magical uh talent and uh and and we expect to to hear great things from you uh, as far as your career but what brought you to the United States in the first place
5: yeah actually since my very early early years i i really w- was into jazz music so uh, this is actually the the, the thing that, that I uh, where I came here to U.S. I really wanted to to see the scene over the uh, how it works here in U.S. How you know to you know to 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 be a little part of 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 of, of this whole big big thing, be, be you know close to my idols, basically.
1: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Well, and and I know you've moved from classical to to jazz and, um, you know, the you at the South New Orleans, one of our favorite towns is, you know, the home of of jazz. And and I think you wanted to uh, uh, study there or learn the craft of jazz more. Talk about the transition, though, from classical to jazz music.
5: Yeah, there's definitely a big difference. I mean, um, yeah, back in my, my country, there there is also jazz music, but it, it's different than here, of course. And uh, we got different sound over in Poland. So um, this is definitely a transition to, to get get here and and see this, you know, original people who, who created this sound. And and um, I I believe that you know European scene, uh, jazz scene is definitely more influenced by classical music that's why I guess the sound is different uh, and here uh, I guess you know just just music comes from from the churches and and the blues and so it's definitely different sound and uh and uh, yeah it it definitely take take a minute to 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 understand that and and what it comes from I guess i mean the, I think the big, the big thing is the culture, cultural thing, you know, uh, cultural aspect of, of of music, of life, you know. So, so I appreciate being here, and I, I believe that without moving here, I wouldn't be able to to understand the the jazz music, the music. Uh, in general as as I do right
2: now. With respect to what you've been able to experience in terms of playing your music here in the United States and and playing in Poland and other parts of Europe, how different are the audiences in terms of what you've been able to discover in terms of what they like and kind of attach themselves to with uh, the music? Uh,
5: I think that uh, audience always respect mostly things that that they don't have access to so i guess this is the thing that that that's why that's why you know in, in in europe people really really appreciate jazz and jazz artists when came they came to to the country they are like they they treat them like a uh, big big stars and here you know jazz is almost everywhere so so it's different but you know this uh, This is what I think, actually.
2: Having grown up in Poland, how did jazz really take hold over in Poland? Because we don't normally think of Poland necessarily from the United States as being a hotbed for jazz. Uh,
5: In my opinion, you know, back in the days, we we really had a great, great, great music back in Poland, great jazz jazz sound. We had our own sound. It it was really, really great. People like, you know, Krzysztof Komeda. uh... And many are, like his big name Zyfer, he's the, the violinist player. They really created the the, uh, the Polish sound, uh, and this is incredible, you know. It's really really Polish sound. And right now there is still many great artists who create the, the 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 our own sound, let's say. But also because of the you know internet and things like that, the, the whole uh, jazz idiom. Uh, comes kind of to the American idiom as as well. So so um uh there is also a big part of Polish jazz that sounds kind of Amer- American jazz.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, Lucas, I, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your life as a composer. As Ian mentioned at the, uh, during your intro- introduction, you've actually composed some scores for theatrical and film works in uh, in Europe, and you're working on a few projects here in the U.S. Talk about the, the things that you did in Poland and what you're working on now in the U.S.? Uh,
5: yeah, back in, back in Poland, I, I scored one movie, uh, and also I was working for, for many different theaters, uh, being a part of, uh, as, uh, as a performer, as a writer, as a co- co-writer, so this is a great experience because uh, uh, it, in, this is the, for me, this is a different approach to the music, like you really, uh, when I write music. For for for, uh, for movies or TV or or, or theater, the, uh, basically people are looking for the mood more than for the craft or whatever. So so this is very interesting, uh, interesting uh, and challenging thing. And uh, here in US, I yeah I, I wrote music for for theater all, as well, also. And uh, right now actually I am working on some TV productions. So so it's really really a good time for me, and I'm. Uh, I'm really excited about, about about it and what will happen in the close future.
1: What, what can you tell us? What your uh, what TV projects you're working on right now, or is that kind of secret until uh, is it is that I too private to <laughs> 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 uh,
5: Right. So uh, actually, there, there's one thing uh, I, I'm working on with with Robbie Appleton. She she's got her own uh, 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 script. And, and we are putting, putting it together, so this is, this is really nice, nice thing and actually right now there's more and more people involved in it. Mm-hmm. And also the, there is uh, this TV show, Good Fellows of Baltimore, so I am also, uh, uh, they, 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 started, they are starting to use my music in this. so I'm really excited about it and hope it, it will go, you know, go, go further.
1: Well, with you involved, it'll certainly go very far. And I'm just curious: with the scores that you do, do you kind of combine your, uh, what I call your signature sound, which is kind of a, a fusion uh, between different different sounds and uh, shapes and electronics? Do you combine those things?
5: Yeah, I, I think I think every every artist has, has its own uh, its own voice. So. I think I encompass it. It sounds into into what I am doing, definitely. Uh, but uh, I am I am not trying to 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 push myself into the project too much. I mean, I always uh, try to to do something what they are asking for, and this is actually the the biggest challenge and the biggest fun for me to 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 do different different things, like uh, to see what people want me to do, and then you know I am thinking, can I do it? I mean, <laughs> am I able to? And then, you
2: know, I'm ch- I tried to, to mess with it, and and <laughs> something happens, right? <but laughs> Lucas, we've been able to enjoy uh, one of your compositions, uh, The River, during uh, the show today. Uh, talk to us about what your thinking was in composing The River and what you were trying to uh, offer with this piece. This
5: is a very interesting piece. Uh, basically, I wanted to uh, to record, record this. Uh, violin piece, because mostly, lately I was mo- mostly either writing for all or symphony orchestra or, or for big bigger ensembles, and this one um, I was thinking about the camera uh, thing, at, at the beginning I was thinking about camera violin piece, but <laughs> it end up uh, being a little bit bigger than I thought at the beginning, but anyway, it was all good. Uh, so,
2: You've had a chance to explore many different music genres in the United States, uh, you know, a, a multicultural environment. How has this experience and this time here in the United States really helped you grow as an artist and really help you appreciate the multicultural uh, diversity of the United States?
5: I mean, I believe that, you know, multicultural factor is, for me at this time, is very, very important because I, I you know, I have the I have a chance to to be involved in a in a in a project uh, with different people and uh, that, where, where they are looking for different sounds, different things. So definitely, this is very challenging and this big experience for me. Um, I didn't have this this chance back in back in my country, so, so here. it's really incredible about about the U.S. that you know, like uh, where am I right now? There is. So many great artists, like you know, jazz artists, people from Jamaica who plays reggae, people uh, who 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 plays classical music, and they are just you know, they very, very close to here. So, so it's really incredible to to have these masters like very very close and, and 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 talk to them and try to learn something. You know, so it's definitely a big thing for me.
2: Is there, is there a place like New Orleans or Austin or Memphis that uh, uh, you, would, you would like to visit on your travels here in the United States and get a better appreciation for some of the music that has flowed from some of these different parts of the United States? Uh,
5: yeah, actually I, I, I've been in New York, I've been uh, to D.C., of course, it's a great scene and uh, many different, different places. Uh, so and also, I want to travel more definitely. So I believe that traveling is uh, is, is uh, very important, especially for, for artists. Uh, yeah, and every every city has its own sound, its own stage. So it's it's always good to, to, to check out uh, different things.
1: Lucas, is there is there a place though that really just inspires you, inspires your music?
5: I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to, to name one place that, that is very important for me. I, I believe that um, most people are, are the, the, the thing, you know, like uh, uh, people who, who I've met on my, on, my, on my road, you know, on my way. And uh, this is the incredible, the incredible thing. There, there are some, of course, some places that, that I can meet those people, but, uh, but uh, it's hard for me to say that one particular place.
1: Well I know we we happen to know generally where you're playing um, because you're you're a dear friend of ours. Uh, but for our audience members uh, who would love to come see you, uh, we do have a link to your website on okay. your guest page, but is there do you have a another calendar page where people can kind of keep up with your events?
5: Yeah, I, I, my my website, uh, look at the this is more about me as a writer. Uh, I got the the, the, the MySpace page, that is more about me as a performer. But uh, as far as me uh, playing, gigs uh, and stuff like that, uh, I guess the Facebook be is the best place to 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 kind of follow it. So. Mm. <laughs>
2: Well, composer, guitarist, violinist, Lucas Lachofsky, we thank you for being with us today on World Footprints Radio.
5: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for sharing this time with us today. We always look forward to seeing you here and to connecting with you on our multiple platforms and social networks. You can find links to everything and sign up for our newsletter and travel deal alerts at worldfootprints.com. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we'll see you next week. And until then, we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time.
3: Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta. Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty. The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio, because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, that are not thousands of people. For the best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio.
2: World Footprints Radio is a presentation of Travel and On Media Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.